The Mariners made some moves, but did they actually get better before Tuesday's trade deadline? Let's talk about it here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners podcast. It is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022, and thank you so much for making us your first listen after the deadline. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes dropping every single Monday through Friday. I am your host, Teddy Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at Inside. Inside the Mariners.com for Fan Nation over on Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon over at Patreon.com forward slash Control the Zone. We post two additional podcasts on there every single week. Again, that is Patreon.com forward slash Control the Zone. And if this is your first time joining us here on the Locked On Mariners, podcast welcome to the show if you like what you hear give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this and if you're watching us on youtube hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up we greatly greatly appreciate it and just a reminder that on tomorrow's show we are going to be picking a winner for our mitch hanniger sign card giveaway uh, but you can still enter right now if you're listening to this before wednesday morning by subscribing to our YouTube channel. So if you're listening right now, if you're listening to just the audio version, head on over to our YouTube channel, subscribe, or if you're watching us on YouTube right now and haven't subscribed already, subscribe and you're entered for a chance to win that beautiful card that Coley just showed on screen. So the deadline has passed. The Seattle Mariners made technically three trades, but one of them is kind of a, it's a two-parter. Yeah. Do they do they do they make it just one? They announced it together. Mm, okay, but it's kind of like the Hunter Strickland, Rowan Elias thing from mm. a few years ago, where it's like it's basically a catcher for a catcher, reliever for a reliever. So it's like, yeah, yeah two trades, same team, whatever. Doesn't really matter. So pair of trades, both within NL West teams. The first one with the Giants. Uh, the Mariners have acquired catcher Kirk Casale and left-handed pitcher Matthew Boyd. For catcher Andy Thomas, who was their fifth round pick in 2021, and left-handed pitcher uh, Michael Streifler. He's a 26-year-old relief profile. Nothing really of, of consequence there. And then they trade our good old buddy Cash Considerations to the Los Angeles Dodgers for infielder Jake Lamb, who's also played some outfield for the Dodgers. He's had a pretty good year through 25 games we'll get into all of that we're also going to tell you how all these guys fit later on in the show but i think we we want to first get our general thoughts out on this deadline and this very weird deadline approach by jerry depoto and company uh i have a lot of thoughts that i put out on twitter but colby before i get into a, a rant and start rambling and everything i'll i'll let you go first here what is your reaction to uh this this deadline from the mariners well, that's very kind because I have a feeling that if I let you go first, I could leave the room at any point and you wouldn't even notice. So um, I appreciate you letting me go first. Uh, I would say that disappointing is a fair word. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, you start at the top. Did the, Are the Mariners better today than they were a week ago? Objectively, yes, they are. Um, you know, it's, it's really it's not close. Um, 
They are. I mean, m- minus the injured guys, they're coming back at some point, blah, blah, blah. But yes, you are objectively better today than you were a week ago. However, um, so are the Toronto Blue Jays and so are the New York Yankees. Um, and, you know, so are the Minnesota Twins. Uh, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you got better, but these other teams were aggressive as well. And it's, it's a little frustrating, particularly when you see a team like Minnesota, like Minnesota is not light years ahead of you. They're not. I mean, I like Toronto is, is a world series contender, a legit world series contender. Uh, so it would make sense that they'd be a little more aggressive. Minnesota, you're basically the same, very similar rosters. I mean, let's just be frank. Uh, you're, you're very similar roster. So to see them be as aggressive as they were, they went out and they upgraded their bullpen. They went out and they upgraded their rotation. The Mariners, they upgraded their rotation, but they didn't upgrade their bullpen like at all. It just, it feels like this strategy by Jerry DePoto was basically Mitch Hanniger and Ken Giles count as, as trade deadline acquisitions, which is the dumbest thing a general manager could ever try to sell fans on. That does not count. You cannot fix issues with injured players. That is not how that works because there's no guarantee the injured guys come back and are good or that they come back at all. We think Mitch Haniger is coming back, but he came back from injury once before and he was out after one at bat. Like this type of stuff happens. So I think when you look at the the overall like strategy of of this of this deadline for the Mariners, disappointing is is the word that you have to use because yes, while they did get Castillo um, and they did make some upgrades to the fringes of their roster. I where's the impact uh, outside of Castillo? I mean, Casale is going to there's 60 games left. Casale is going to play 20 if you're lucky. Um, you know, Jake Lamb is he going to play at all? <laughs> I don't know. And same with same goes with Matt Boyd. And I love Matt Boyd. He's been a target of mine for like the last four years. Things change and he doesn't really fit right now. So I, to me, you know, I, I look at all these moves and I say it's disappointing. It feels light. It feels cheap, uh, but not in terms of money, just in terms of not wanting to give up a few more prospects. And you kind of look at some, what some of the other guys went for today. Minus Soto, obviously. Um, not insane prices. Uh, pretty pretty reasonable, I thought. Um, however, you know, you kind of look at the guys who weren't traded and you kind of have to wonder, well, you know, what's the asking on those guys? So it's a little bit iffy. It's a little bit, you know, gray. But uh, to me, I, I think disappointed is just the right word for this. Um, there are some that are angry. Uh, there are some that are overly optimistic. I, I think the correct response here is just to be disappointed because it, it feels like Jerry paid the freight to get Luis Castillo for two playoff runs. And then he just kind of ignored the first shot at it because he didn't add anything to help that first shot. Not, not significantly. So I, I would call it disappointing. I would call it um, ultra conservative by DePoto. And I just, that's, you can't, you can't have that follow up your Luis Castillo acquisition. It just doesn't make sense. It's an F because it's because of the Castillo deal. Uh, and and it's because of the precedent that the that the Castillo deal sets that this is it's go time now you have to you know like it's time to win in Seattle like that's what that deal signified on Friday night and this feels like that deal didn't happen 
it feels like today Jerry DePoto was trading with his 2018 farm system. You cannot tell me that there wasn't a deal out there for a hitter that would have cost Taylor Dollard, Alberto mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Michael Morales, Jonathan Clase. It doesn't matter. Some bundle of those guys. It doesn't matter. You cannot tell me that there were no deals out there that would have cost those prospects. Not a single one. And look, I know a lot of guys didn't get dealt. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, the list goes on. And obviously that plays a part into this. And you have to wonder what kind of astronomical prices some of these teams were asking. Especially with someone like Contreras because, you know, the qualifying offer is going to stay. So the Cubs are at least probably going to get something out of letting him walk in free agency. So there's leverage there. So you get so I can wrap my head around that. But after seeing what Trey Mancini went for, after mm-hmm. seeing what Christian Vasquez went for, after seeing what Whit Merrifield went for, after seeing what Tyler Naquin went for, mm-hmm. there were deals that were made that the Mariners could yeah. have done. And of course, I don't want to get into this whole thing of like, let's compare like, you know, what's the Mariners yeah, comp on this deal, whatever, because we don't know. We don't know what players those organizations actually like from the Mariners farm system. It doesn't, they don't care about rankings. They don't care what Jim Callis thinks. They don't care what Keith law thinks. They don't. So the issue that I have with this so much is that what happened today, because uh, like, don't get me wrong here. The Luis Castillo deal is amazing. It's great. I'm glad that they did that. That's awesome. But what they did today is a massive failure because it puts even more pressure on healing players to get and stay healthy and be able to be productive. And now, on top of that, on top of the likes of Mitch Haniger and Kyle Lewis, etc., they've also added Kirk Casale into that mix, Matthew Boyd into that mix. Matthew Boyd might not pitch for you this year. Mm-hmm. He's had an elbow issue. He hasn't pitched since September of last year. He threw a 40-pitch bullpen last week. And he might be able to go out on rehab assignment, but there is no guarantee whatsoever that Matthew Boyd throws a single pitch in a Mariners uniform this season. Kirk Casale is working his way back from an oblique issue. And I like that deal, by the way. Honestly, I like all these deals in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But considering the timing, considering what you just did, adding Castillo, it's a failure. It's a failure. So I'll tell you why I like the Casale deal for the Mariners in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. You ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Chills. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family and you can get 15% off your order with promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Again, that is L-O-C kd15 for 15 percent off your order at built.com 
You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen after the deadline. So let's get back into this. The Casali deal to me is the best deal of the three that the or two that the Mariners made here uh, because it does significantly upgrade your backup catcher position. I thought this was a spot that that did need to be addressed. I'm surprised that it actually ended up being addressed. I didn't think that that was going to be something that they were that they were able to get done. But Casali is widely regarded as a great game caller. Uh, he's a pretty good defensive catcher in general. He has a history with Luis Castillo, which Jerry DePoto has said is, it played a pretty big role in their acquisition of Casali as well. Uh, so I like it. Plus, he hit before he got hurt this year. He, he had a 102 WRC plus. That is a massive upgrade over Luis Torrens this year. So mm-hmm. from the defensive and offensive ends, that's great. I like that deal. And honestly, that's the deal that I feel the most confident in, in helping the Mariners. The other two, however, the other two additions, rather, I just don't have any confidence that they're going to help because Jake Lamb has been good this year, but in 25 games. And that's nothing. That's a really, really small sample size. I can't take anything from that to the bank. I can't. There's nothing that I can put any sort of confidence in on that front. Same thing as I said earlier with Matthew Boyd. I just, what is he going to give me? Like at, at most few innings, like here and there. Cause like Jerry DePoto, Jerry DePoto said today that, that, you know, after the deadline that he hopes or he wants Boyd rather to uh, work up to 60 to 70 pitches in his rehab assignment, whenever that begins and work his way into being a multi-inning reliever for the Mariners, which, okay, that's fine. I totally get that. Boyd has really good stuff. And it should play up in the bullpen. But we don't know how he's going to recover from his elbow thing. You know, we we don't know, like, what kind of shape he's in right now. And we don't know when exactly he's going to be able to actually get back out on the mound because he's only thrown bullpen sessions. He's only thrown a 40-pitch bullpen session as of last week. So, and it's already August 2nd. It's like, when does that, when do I actually, like, get the payoff there on Matthew Boyd? When does that happen? And look, you didn't trade anything for him. You didn't trade anything of consequence for him. Nothing whatsoever. It, you know, Andy Thomas, whatever. He was an underslot guy. To, yeah, he was He was trying, you know, you were trying to save money with that pick uh, last year. You've, you've already replaced him too, by the way. The eighth round yeah. pick out of Pittsburgh, same yeah. profile. Yeah. So, I, I just, that, I, like that to me, I you know, I said last week, if they didn't do anything to address the bullpen, that was going to be a failure for me. And Matthew Boyd doesn't count. I'm sorry, he doesn't. Because, like, he might contribute, but there is no guarantee of that. There is no probability added here. There is none. Aside from Casale, maybe, which, by the way, he's hurt as well, like I said. So it, there's no guarantee that he's going to be productive when he gets back as well. You know, we don't know how he's going to respond coming off of his oblique injury. So there really is no probability here. Right. It just This is a team that needed probability. There's too many things right now that they're banking on going right for them. With Mitch Hanniger, with Kyle Lewis, with Ken Giles, with Taylor Trammell. And they just added more of that. They added more question marks. I'm just, I'm so confused. I'm so puzzled by this deadline. I don't get it. I obviously get the Castillo deal. Again, I want to reiterate time and time again, I have no issues with the Castillo deal. 
I have issues with what they did today, though, because of the Castillo deal. It makes no sense. How do you push all your chips on the table and then do this? How? How do you justify that? I, I, I don't think you can, um, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it just feels like you, you like... I don't know. It kind of feels like you like jumped in to the pool, like right cannonball. And then like you got like halfway down and you're like, oh, this was a bad idea. And you're trying to abort. But it's like you can't like you've already jumped like you're going to go head first in the water. You have to you have to, you know, you can't go back. Um, and I'm not saying the Mariners should either. You, I still do the Castillo trade um, because it made them significantly better. And, and you know, Castillo. Castillo ended up being the second best player traded in this entire deadline. I think he might have been behind Soto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's it's still a good move. But like what yeah, the rest of this, the rest of what they did today, it just felt like they didn't follow it up with any meaningful action. Now, Casali will help, um, if for no other reason, he is a viable big leaguer who, you know, I, I think Jerry said he's gonna go out and rehab assignment um this week at some point or he was on it and he's going to continue mm. it in Tacoma. Yeah, he's played uh, 3 games so far. Right. So I my guess is is that we see him by the Yankees series. I don't think he's going to be down there all that long and then at that point I think you probably DFA Terenz. I don't think you're carrying three catchers. Um a little weird you can find somebody to take him. Like I kind of get it, but also decent defensive catcher who hit last year, I don't whatever. Um but you're probably going to DFA him. Uh Casale also by the way. Uh for the most part, hits lefties. I mean, he it's last year or in his career against lefties, he hits 248, 339, 449. It's really good as a catcher. I mean, that's that's you know, uh, good a Eugenio Suarez. Uh, so he hits lefties pretty well. Uh, he'll give you a shot to rest Cal because Cal just, I mean, he can't, he's 25, he's not like in like spectacular shape. So it's not like he's just, oh, he's 25. You can just put him back there forever. That, that's not how that works. And every catcher is going to wear it down. Um, but basically, Cal's at a point right now where he's not even getting full days off. He's pinch hitting, <laughs> hitting for Terenz late in every single game he gets off. So uh, it'll be nice to have Casale back there. He should help uh, not, not only on the days that uh, – not, not only on the days that, you know, Cal can't play – uh, but there's a chance, you know, Casale maybe gets some DH at bats, uh, particularly against left-handed pitching. Uh, like I said, he can do some damage. He's not terrible against righty, so if Cal needs a day against right-handed pitcher, I think Casale's a career 86 WRC plus against them. So not great, but it's survivable. It's certainly more than what you're getting from Terenz. I like Matt Boyd. I've liked him a lot. I've always wanted to see him in kind of this role that Jerry's describing. I just would have preferred that they took this shot in the winter uh, mm-hmm. as in next winter after the season. This makes a lot of sense. Uh, both Casale and, and Boyd are free agents after this year. So their rentals uh, Casale could help uh, a little bit, but um, again, you're still going to give Cal Raleigh most of the at-bats there. So unless they're willing to use Casale as DH sometimes first base, it's just not enough of an impact bat that you're adding to the ro- to the uh, lineup on an everyday level. So it helps. It's a good move in a vacuum. Um, and honestly, if they had gone out and they had gotten like even just Michael Fulmer, I probably would have been like, oh, well, you know, it's I would have liked the better bat, but it, they'll give it like a B. You know what I mean? It, it, it just they didn't do it like this is the second big move that you made. 
is Kirk Casale. Nah, that's no, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's just, <laughs> it's so disappointing. It's so, so, so deflating that like, this is your follow up. This is what mm-hmm. you decided to do. Like, and again, I get it. You know, the market was very expensive, you know, the, the, at least in terms of guys with control. But I mean, you look at the rental bats, goes back to the conversation that we had yesterday. They can be had. goes back to the conversation that we just had earlier that like, you can't tell me that there were, there were no deals out there where you could have traded a Taylor Dollard or a Michael Morales or what have you for one of these bats for one of them. Like even even honestly, like even the deal that the the Padres got for uh, for Drury, what they had to give up. I mean, again, you know, I don't want to go tit for tat here and say like, you know, what's the Mariners' cop on that? But I feel like the Mariners could have done that. I feel like the Mariners had the ammo right. there to to do that deal and feel okay afterwards after doing it. The the one thing there is that they the uh, they did get a shortstop, and so. And you kind of look at some of the deals that the Mariners, oh, well, why didn't they go do that? Well, it's like, well, that t- Team X got a shortstop and the Mariners don't have a shortstop. And while you say, well, you can't do X for X, and that's true, if you have a player who can stay up the middle of the field, that guy is going to carry more value. Mm-hmm. So when you say, well, what, what's the equivalent to Jordan Groshans for for Pop and, and, and Bass? And you go, well. Jonathan Classe, who's like three years behind Groshans, like what? It, it, the Mariners don't have that guy, um, right? So it's it's kind of difficult because the Mariners don't have those young shortstops who are semi close to the big leagues. I mean, they just traded their shortstop that's closest to the big leagues, and Edwin Arroyo is still four years away. So, um, yeah, they just don't really have that that part of their system built up to make those type of deals. So it's it's frustrating, it's annoying, but like the the whole like hey, well, what's the Mariners' equivalent of this? It doesn't work. And, and I saw people trying to do it with the Soto thing. I threw out my best guess. But at the end of the day, the Mariners don't have a C.J. Abrams. You know what I mean? So they don't have a Jordan Groshans. Yeah, let, so, let's quickly let's quickly address that real quick because obviously, you know, Soto got dealt today. The Mariners were, you know, amongst those conversations, uh, at least for the outside, right? Jerry Depoto said that they reached out and it became pretty clear right away that they weren't going to be able to pull immediately. That out. They pivoted, yeah. yeah. So, um, they got Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. uh, James Wood, uh, Robert ha- Robert Hassel, yep. uh, Luke Voigt. And um, oh God, I, I forget uh, the uh, the pitcher that they got, but they they got a pitcher who's stuff. like he's like a top ten guy in there, or was a top ten guy in their uh, in their farm system consensus. Right. It's a huge haul. It's a massive, massive, mm-hmm. massive haul uh, for for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. One that the Mariners even pre Castillo trade, pre no trading Noel V Marte and Edwin Arroyo had no chance of doing because really some main reasons here. Mackenzie Gore. Sorry, at the MLB level, he's hurt right now, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything that's going to require surgery. Um, CJ Abrams also at the major league level right now plays up the middle. Your two big pieces in that deal were probably going to be George Kirby, who is at the major league level. You know, that's a fairly comparable player to uh, to a McKenzie Gore here. But the one thing that we have to keep in mind here is. Mackenzie Gore is like a year removed from being a top 10 prospect in baseball. So is CJ right. Abrams. James Wood is like a top 30, top 40 guard, uh, guy James, at worst. 
James Wood might have been the number one prospect in the Mariner system before they made the the Castillo trade. Like he's a mm-hmm. very good prospect. Yeah, Robert Hassel as well, like a top thirty guy in baseball, top forty guy I, in baseball. I think he's a little overrated, but sure, that's what the consensus yeah. has him. Yeah. So like the Mariners, I mean, if we're just going off of rankings, if you just want to do the rankings thing, which I don't care about. Major League Baseball clubs don't care about. They don't care about rankings. I'll say that time and time again on this episode. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it for the sake of the argument, because that's what everyone is using. The Mariners did not have, outside of Noel V. Marte, a single player that was ranked higher than the four guys that the Padres traded. Yeah. In the steal. Like the four top guys in the steal. Yeah. I mean, like Ker- Kirby, obviously, bef- you know, like, before graduating, it was like top 30, top 40-ish. You know, Noel V. Marte was top 10 or top 12 to start the season, but kind of fell off a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's it. Like, But uh, on top of that, they got two more of those guys who are just removed from that, and Abrams and, and Gore. And that's right. a guy, and again, Abrams is a guy that can play right now and can play up the middle, whereas Edwin Arroyo, Noel V. Marte, Noel V. Marte is about a year away a year and a half away at best. Edwin Arroyo is probably three or four years away. Like at least that's hard to sell to a fan base when you're selling the face of your franchise and Juan Soto. The Mariners equivalent. I mean, let's just, it's, it's George Kirby and Logan Gilbert or Julio. You want to trade Julio for Juan Soto? Of course you don't. You want to trade Logan Gilbert and George Kirby and prospects for Juan Soto? Of course you don't. So miss me with the whole like, oh, the mayor should have done that instead of the Castillo thing. They literally could not have. Mm-hmm. It, you would have been mad at the price they paid for Juan Soto. And you could sit here and say, I'd never be mad that they that they acquired a generational talent. Yes, you would. At the price the Mariners would have had to pay for Juan Soto, you would have been mad because they would have gotten worse. And that's not the point of making that type of trade. So, yeah, it's not a big deal. Um you know, it's I don't know if it adds to the frustration with today's deadline or not because the Mariners were connected to Juan Soto a lot, but Jerry made it pretty clear. They asked what it would cost. You know, the 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 Nats told him, and they're like, "Okay, we're out." <laughs> like yeah. they were not interested in meeting that price because they couldn't. So yeah, um, it's 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 a nothing. And I'm, I'm honestly I'm glad we don't have to talk about him ever again. Yeah, that that doesn't play into my feelings here whatsoever. By the way, no. just want to make that clear. Yeah. Like the Juan Soto thing, that ship sailed a long time ago. That ship sailed when they traded for Luis Castillo, and and now it's been revealed that that ship sailed as soon as the Mariners called them. Right, so it was never a yeah. real possibility. And second of all, like you said, you know, it would have honestly, if you're trying to create a comp for the Mariners from what the the Padres had to give up. Yeah, I don't think that Logan Gilbert and George Kirby being both being in the deal is out of the realm of possibility here when you're looking at what they had to give up again, which is two former top 10 prospects and two current top 30 prospects plus more on top of that. Plus, like Luke Voigt, who's been good this year, who yeah, who hits tanks like like that's going to be a guy that that, that is probably going to generate value for the Nationals at some point as well. So mm-hmm. like that's the, the Mariners just didn't they just didn't have the pieces to match up there they just didn't so I don't hold that against them but what I do hold against them is not getting more aggressive on the rental bat market uh, and not getting more aggressive on the reliever market because the reliever market quite frankly wasn't that all expensive as well I mean Jorge like Lopez from, went for like a dime 
right? Like, like the Mariners could have beaten that with with you know Taylor Dollard and Jonathan Classe. Like, yeah. And Lopez has like four years of club control left, so I don't. Yeah, there were there were deal there were certainly deals where I'm like the Mariners should have, have done that or they should have found the equivalent, and that's always a dangerous game because sometimes GMs fall in love with particular players and and it doesn't matter what yeah. you offer them, blah 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 blah. So, um, it just you know it, it it's we'll, ne- we'll we'll never know the prices equivalent of all this stuff, so it's almost foolish to speculate. But you look at what you know, for example, what like Tommy Pham went for last night. It's a bucket of baseballs. Like it's it's even Christian Vasquez didn't go for a ton. Trey Mancini didn't go for it. Like you look at the rental bats that did go, they didn't, they didn't cost that much. And and then you wonder what the Ian Haps and the JD Martinez like what those guys cost. And and clearly it was expensive enough that nobody traded for them. But that made it all the more important for Seattle to go out and get one of those rental bats. And honestly, just when you look at like what those bats went for. I don't think you can draw a conclusion other than Jerry DePoto had zero interest in acquiring a rental bat. And that's yeah. a mistake. That's a mistake. Straight Huge up. Mistake. And it's, it's a big mistake and it's, it's thrown on the back of like, Oh, well, once we get Julio and Ty France and, and Mitch Haniger back, like where is that rental back in a play? Who cares if you get those guys back? If, mm-hmm. and I know we got good news on Julio. Sounds like he might only be 10 days. Great. You still have eight more games without him. And, oh, well, Ty France might be able to play tomorrow. The wrist is feeling okay. He took batting practice off of a tee, and the wrist was fine. So he's probably going to play tomorrow. Like, maybe. But that issue will flare up again. Like, it's just one of those things where Mitch Haniger could roll an ankle in the first at-bat back just like he did last time. So, yeah, it just it reads like Jerry was not interested in rental bats. I think maybe he was interested in bats. I just think he wanted – control years and it, it feels like an uh, a sense or it feels like a kind of jerry falling into an old trap of his which is that he values control years which for the past three years has been uber valuable in 2022 where the mariners are right this moment control years don't mean much they shouldn't at least um and it just feels to me like jerry looked at brandon drury and tommy fam and i don't know jock peters like whoever and was just like well, if you had a year and a half, I'd go after him. But I'm not interested in giving up a fringe top 20-ish prospect for Tommy Pham. Like, why? Don't tell me Carlos Santana. Don't tell me Mitch Haniger. Don't tell me Julio. Don't tell me Jesse's going to turn things around. Don't tell me, oh, well, Adam Frazier was good for a month, even though he was trash for the previous 100 games. I just it, – it doesn't make sense. The Mariners needed to add – a bat who could play every day. They didn't. They added two guys who are going to be on the bench most days. I don't even know how Jake Lamp fits on this roster, to be honest with you. Um, and so we'll see. Like Basically, Jerry DePoto thinks he's smarter than everybody, or he is, and we're fixing to find out. Because if Mitch Haniger comes back and he struggles like he did at the start of this year and for long stretches last year, this Mariners offense is not going to get better and it might cost them a playoff spot. And because you didn't go and back that up with actual assets, you paid the price, you paid the freight for two playoff runs with Luis Castillo and you basically punted one of them. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah. so now we're at this point where, you know, we just, 
got to hope and pray that, that Jerry DePoto is right, that everything is going to break for them, which mm-hmm. it's not. <laughs> it's not. I fear right. that it's and, not. No, and I we know that he'll point to like, oh, well, we got Travis Jankowski and Jonathan VR and whoever no. else they signed to a minor league contract yesterday. And it's like, those do not count. Those are meaningless moves. Like, if Jonathan VR comes up and gives you anything, great, bonus. If Travis Jankowski is up and he gives you anything, great, bonus. Those are not trade acquisitions that count. They are not a part of this trade deadline deal. That's minor league depth that you hope that you never have to use. If you were smart and you built your roster correctly at the deadline here, you would never have to use those guys unless there was an injury. Now it feels like Jonathan VR is probably going to get important at-bats sometime in September. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm, – I'm dumbfounded, honestly. I'm almost speechless that this is it. You know, 6 o'clock my time went. That's That was the deadline here. And it came and went, and I was just kind of waiting for – like the deal to trickle down and it just never did just never did because like these are fine moves in 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 themselves you know right like like i said in a vacuum i like the deals Mm -hmm. they're fine I, i like taking a shot on matthew boyd that's interesting i like upgrading backup catcher with kirk casale I like maybe taking a chance on, on Jake Lamb and seeing if his 25 games are legit, not giving up anything for him, you know, from the Dodgers. Like, I like that. But the fact that that wasn't followed up with a Whit Merrifield, that wasn't followed up with a Trey Mancini, that wasn't followed up with, you know, Tyler Naquin, what have you. Mm-hmm. That's just, it just, or like actual bullpen help. Bullpen help, like, today like guys that are going to help me tomorrow that's the other issue too that i have with this as well before we hop off here is that you're hurting right now and you didn't get anyone aside from jake lamb who can help you right now kurt casale and matthew boyd are hurt right now it's like so you didn't even do anything to address what the issue is at hand you're playing against the yankees these are big games these are you know, a little bit of a litmus test for you. And obviously, you know, when you're at, you know, hopefully full strength or a little closer to full strength, the next time you see the Yankees next week in Seattle, like, while that is probably the bigger test for you, these games still matter. You still got to be able to win some of these games. You want to try to avoid total disaster. You don't want to, you definitely don't want to go to Seattle, go back to Seattle against an Angels team that just sold at the deadline. And because you're missing a couple pieces, you drop two or three games against them. Like, you don't want that to happen. Like, they didn't even get help for right now for this very moment. I just, I just, it's almost as if they were trading from the perspective of a team that's on the outside looking in, not holding a second wild card. Yeah, it felt kind of similar to last year's trade deadline, um, minus the Castillo they, they, thing. They honestly, like, aside from, like, like obviously the Luis Castillo deal is bigger than any deal that they made last year. But I feel like in the end, they added more impact last year. In, t- in terms of just bodies. More places. Right? Yeah, more places. Right. And more places. They impacted their starting lineup, the bullpen, and the rotation. Whether or not that impacted the, you know, as much as Castillo will, probably not. But no. they did take care of the bullpen a lot. 
They took care of the bullpen, second base, and the rotation last year. This year, they fixed the bullpen and the backup catcher. Or the, sorry, they they added a starter and a backup catcher. Mm-hmm. And they hope they fixed the bullpen with Phillips, Valdez, and Matt Boyd. <laughs> they hope they added depth with Travis Jankowski, Jake Lamb, and Jonathan VR. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully they're right. Hopefully they're right because you've added a lot more uncertainty to a playoff push that was looking close to locked up for them. They had an opportunity here, a real opportunity to set themselves apart from some of the teams that are chasing them. They didn't do that. They had a great starting pitcher and and nothing else. And it feels like they fell even further behind the teams that they are chasing. Mm -hmm. Is the other thing too. So, like I said, I hope it works. I I don't think the Mariners set themselves up particularly well to go deep in the playoffs. Still like their odds to make the playoffs, Um, but even that is is a bit strained. I guess the good news here is is that if you're looking for, you know, very very small silver linings, Tampa didn't get significantly better. Uh, Baltimore didn't get significant. Baltimore sold. Boston, I don't know what the heck Boston's yeah. doing. <laughs> no yeah. idea what Boston's doing. Uh, Chicago didn't really get that much better. Cleveland didn't do anything. So it's just like you definitely, you probably got better out of everybody who's trying to overtake you for that number two wild card spot. But you fell further behind the Yankees, the Astros, and the Blue Jays, in my opinion, and I think the Twins. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's it's a missed opportunity, I think is, and I, I think it's I think it's valid to be disappointed that they didn't take advantage of this opportunity. All right, well that's going to do it for our show. Hopefully, we're in a better mood tomorrow. <laughs> you know, a, a, a Mariners win. To, Mariners win tonight would uh, would certainly help on that front. Hey, uh, hey, Ty, you know what tomorrow mm-hmm. is? Tomorrow is a day game, so we're going to be doing a post game show. Right. It's it's also Luis Castillo Day, baby. It is so, also Luis Castillo Day, of course. So yes. We will be in a better mood unless you yeah. know somebody gets well, hurt. To, to, now, of course, he is facing Garrett Cole. You know, couldn't have gotten uh, uh, you know a little bit of an easier matchup, but hey, you know whatever. Uh, I guess we'll just put it to the test that you know Luis Castillo can go toe to toe with any pitcher. So like, <laughs> we'll Jake put that Lamb's to the test. taking. Jake Lamb is taking Garrett Cole deep twice tomorrow at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Put it in the books. All right. See you guys. Mar- Mar- See you guys after the game Jake Lamb. <laughs> That's right, baby. Forever from one game. All right. So, again, uh, post-game show tomorrow. So we'll be up a little bit later in the day than we usually are, just like today. Uh, and then we'll be back on a regular schedule starting on Thursday. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tiny Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, whether you're watching or listening to it. And uh, thank you again for making us your first listen after the deadline. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.